All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, February 9th of 2023. I know golf teed off this morning for those of you playing weekend long and showdown. Good luck to you all. Uh, looks like we also have a four game NBA slate and a seven game NHL slate. So should be a fun day. Uh, you know, you get the all day sweat with golf. One of my favorite things is, you know, getting that morning sweat equivalent to the early NBA, the early N <laughs> the early MLB slates that we get in the spring. So it should be a fun day uh, for all of you out there who don't know me. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in in the Office Hours channel, in our Discord server, or live in the YouTube chat. If you guys have questions, just tune in, throw them in the live YouTube chat. We will get to all the questions before the end of the show. And if you want to post it in the Office Hours channel and then you're, you're not joined up in the Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. We talk DFS all day, every day in the channel, bouncing ideas off of each other. So highly recommend getting in the Discord. But that being said, going to get Saberson pulled up here, and we are going to get going. Uh, have a couple questions in Discord to start us off, but if anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in, as always. All right. Uh, OXDrog said, is it better to have more lineups in the cash zone or fewer lineups, but in the top two to three percent? Okay, so this is a good question. What I would say is that okay, you have to think about you have to look at what is your expectation of getting to the cash line and what is the payout for getting there. So usually about approximately about 20% of the field gets paid, the top 20% of the field is the price pool. You can go to any contest you're looking at or you're entered in, and then you can see, you know, how many entries there are in the contest, and then go to the go to the payout structure, the prizes, whatever it is, and see what the last paid place is. And that's usually about 20-ish percent. It ranges from like 18 to like 23. Uh, now look at the entry fee and then look at the prize that you get when you get that uh, 20 you get like the the last uh, prize scoring section. Usually that is somewhere from like 1.5X to 2X your buy-in. So you're getting paid, we'll say on the higher side, you're getting paid two to one on an event that happens five out of one times. Like if, if I was the house, uh, that is a game that I would love to have people play, right? Because that is a very bad thing for, for, for the user, right? If, if you're looking to like just get across the cash line, uh, you should be playing cash games where, you know, regardless of what you get, like the top 50% of the field is going to get paid. That That's better for that type of strategy. But, you know, getting back to the question, I do not think it is good to just get lineups across the cash line. In my opinion, if, if that is what is happening, you know, over and over again, you're probably not, uh, I don't, you're probably not playing risky enough, I guess is like the way I kind of want to say it. Your lineups are probably too close to the mean and, and you're not optimizing enough for upside. I think that's kind of what I'm, I'm getting at here. Like you need to have higher upside uh, lineups with potentially higher upside because payouts are not linear. You know, they, they grow exponentially, right? 
you go to like the top of a contest and you can see like first place is you know let's let's take the uh the super bowl showdown right the flagship it's like a million to first and then it's like a hundred k to second and then it's like you know it quickly quickly drops right so you want to be able to build lineups that have a chance of winning uh and have high upside outcomes so you can take advantage of those exponential payouts and you're going to need some of those to, to, to stay alive, to keep the bankroll alive. It's very unlikely that you're going to be able to do that just getting across the cash line. So I think, uh, you know, fewer lineups are, that are placing higher in, you know, you said top two to 3%. I would say, you know, top 0.5 to 1%, top 0.1 to 0.5%, like a few lineups in, in that part of the contest is better than more lineups across the cash line. So those are my thoughts. OX Drog, let me know if you have any follow-up, need any clarification. But good question and definitely uh, something to to consider and to uh, review with, with your lineups and, and see if you need to make any adjustments. All right. Uh, Kay Gould asked, if you have two different 20 max contests that you want to have unique lineups in, but then you have a 150 max contest that you want to have those 40 lineups used in the 20 max contests included in your 150 set. How would you go about doing that? Okay. So what it looks like is that you want to have, okay. So, so, so basically what you're saying is like, Hey, I want to build 40 lineups for these two 20 maxes. I'm also playing on 150 max. I basically want to put those 40 lineups into the 150 max along with another 110 lineups as like a balance. The way I would do that, and I I think unique rank makes this much easier, is I would just build 150 lineups. um, Or or I guess what you could do. Okay, so, so what I would do is I would come into my build. You know, I'm going to uh, put it to the 150 max setting here just because when when I build, I like to put it on the highest setting for like all of my contests that I have. So if like I have 220 maxes and 150 max, I'll usually just put it on the 150 max, but you can do it however way you want. A couple ways you can do this. So the first way you can do it is you build 150 lineups. And then when you go to fill, you fill using unique rank and you you drag and drop the contests. That way, the 220 maxes get filled first and then the 150 max gets filled. So I don't have an entries file for today, but so I can't, I can't demo this perfectly. But basically what it would look like is your top t- one through 20 would go into the 20 max. 21 through 40 would go into the second contest. 41 through 150 would go into the 150 max. And because that is not enough lineups to fill the 150 max, basically the entry editor will loop back around and then use lineups one through 40. So it'll basically end up using all of the 150 lineups. That is one way to do it, which I think is a fine way. But let's say you're like, you know what? I want to make sure that I dial in my... 40 lineups first that way i know exactly what my exposures are because they might be different or it might be it might end up looking different than if i built 150 
I totally understand where you're coming from. So what I would do is I would run one build. I would change my number of lineups at the top to 40. I would dial these lineups in, you know, whatever I want. I would save the lineups and then I would fill the two 20 maxes. And then I would come back to this same build and then I would change the number of lineups to 150. I would make, you know, whatever adjustments I want. I would then save the set again and then fill from this set. So I, it is, it is very likely that, you know, based on whatever changes I make, that the same 40 lineups are going to be in the 150 set. I think the only way to like 100% confirm that's the case is go to your number of lineups that are, that are 40 and then hit this green lock icon. This is like kind of annoying, but you would have to, you'd have to come in and lock every lineup. And then those 40 lineups would stay even after making any further adjustments. But I think that if you made 40, you made some adjustments, you came in here, you changed the 40 to 150, it is really likely that those 40 will be part of the 150, uh, especially you know if you're doing it after the fact. So th those are the two ways that I would think about doing it. And uh, let me know if you have any uh, further questions, Kay Gould. All right, Phantom coming at me with a good one. Phantom said, hi, Andrew. With the trade deadline upon us for NBA, the all-star break, potential new rotations, and eventual playoff rest management, didn't know if this would be a good time to cover strategies for how to handle this with SaberSim, other strategies slash tips you may have. Thanks. Phantom, this is a really good question. It's a really hard question, right? Um, you know, NBA is such a strange sport where, like, people cannot be on the injury radar at all. And then 10 minutes before the game, boom, ruled out illness, toe injury, uh, what, whatever, right? And it, 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 it's what ultimately makes NBA uh, frustrating, but it, it is also what opens up edge, right? And frankly, the, the answer to your question is to always be around to late swap. Because if, if you can just be around, you know, whether that is like, I'll tell you some things I do. Like if, if I know I'm not going to be around my desktop and not going to be able to be in discord to look at the NBA lineup alerts channel, I'll go to underdog NBA and I will turn on tweet notifications for the night. And then at the end of the night or after the last game locks, I will turn it off. So at least I'm getting those like push notifications about when things are changing. You know, I kind of, I always have my cell phone on me. I'm able to check and see what, uh, what news is breaking, right. Or what, what rotations are changing. So I think, you know, doing whatever you can to one, be around for late swap and to put yourself in a position to not miss news, whether that is setting an alarm 10 minutes before every new game starts, whether that's setting up, tweet notifications. You know, I, I, I say the tweet notifications on purpose because you could set up discord notifications, but you're going to get an alert every time a SIM runs. And that's kind of notification overload. I really just want to know when the news is breaking. So I can kind of judge that for myself. Uh, so, so, so those are the two ways I, I, I think about it, you know, in, in the latest pro video with, with Jordan and Matt, if you guys are on the pro, uh, pro plan to get the pro exclusive content they talked about you know late swap flexibility 
and um, building in lineup rules or or uh, building intentionally to save roster spots and save salary for when late swap news can break, right? There's definitely going to be times where like the news does not break and, and you're left with probably uh, less EV lineups than if you had not done that. But, but you're doing that in as a trade-off to hopefully get more EV lineups than you would have from the start when news does break, right? So there's definitely uh, something there and, and, and further kind of discovery to be had with like late swap flexibility. But I think that's probably the path you want to go down, especially towards the end of the year, especially under the circumstances that you're talking about. I mean, we saw a clear example last night with Minnesota, you know, with Gobert getting ruled out, with Anderson getting ruled out with D'Angelo Russell getting traded, right? So, I mean, it opened up a huge spot on Minnesota. Uh, those are the spots that you're really trying to take advantage of in that situation, right? So if you optimize for that, you know, just know that sometimes it's not going to work out. And, uh, you know, that that is part of the risk that comes with that type of strategy. But I think ultimately those are going to be things that you kind of have to start thinking about and and, you know, trying to, find different places to get an edge as the NBA season gets like beyond the all-star break, but really good question there, Phantom. All right. Uh, Colton's dad here had a message talking about uh, college basketball. I will take that back to the team. as like a, uh, as like a feature request. as like an idea letting the team know that, Hey, people, you know, are, are looking for, for some information on college basketball. So I know you threw out ET phone home. That is Eric, our one of our data scientists over here, our resident college, all things college expert. So I will let the team know that uh, the people are asking for college basketball content. So don't didn't want to just skip right over it, but uh, Colton's dad, I, I am going to take that down, take that back to the team. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume this is the unit here in discord said what is the flash fill doing to my lamps when someone is out so good question so when a player gets ruled out right let's say you had d'angelo russell uh rostered yesterday and then boom he gets traded gets pulled what will happen is the player will get marked out on our end and if the if the entry editor if 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 sabersim uh sabersim will will look at your entries and look at your exposures and then if a player gets ruled out you would get a red lightning bolt under this uh lightning bolt icon that is currently grayed out so this is for like if there is a player that is out in your lineup set this will become activated what what you do when you click this is this is called we call it quick swap and what you will do is you will just basically do like a one for one swap for all of your lineups it is not rebuilding anything all it is simply doing is removing the out player looking at how much salary you have left and then inserting the highest projected player that can meet the salary that you have remaining for that lineup. So like the, the good thing is that this, this is a really fast thing. It doesn't require any simulations. It doesn't require any build time. We are just going to take one person out and put another person in like, uh, you know, with the click of a button, but, Bad thing is like, you know, let's say that you had D'Angelo Russell in 60 lineups and, you know, the the next highest player can be used in all of them. Like we're going to put 60 
uh, we're going to put one person into all 60 lineups, no Sims, no range of outcomes, you know, no, 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 none of that. Right. We are just going to do a quick, uh, a quick swap there. So you can upload and have a player with projected points in your lineups. So that is what the quick swap is doing. I think if you're in this scenario, what I suggest doing, what I think are the, the, the best operating procedure here is do a quick swap, get those lineups uploaded because uh, no matter what else happens beyond that, at least you have a player playing and you're not going to get a zero. Then come back to Saber Sim and then run a late swap and then come into the build. And then, you know, the late swap will be toggled on and then run your late swap. But, you know, at least, you know, if anything happens with your late swap, you're not able to get your lineups in time. At least you did the quick swap. At least you have a chance uh, with a player that is playing. So that is what the quick swap does. That is how I would recommend using it. All right. Uh, Eddie999 said, should you always try to max out when playing? For example, if I'm playing a 20 max contest and I only have 10 entries in that contest, would that be negative EV to not play the maximum number of entries? Okay, good question. So two things here, really. So, so one, yes, you should be trying to play contests that you can max out. It is always better to, you know, uh, choose contests that you can max out as opposed to entering less entries into a contest that you can't max out. Like for instance, you know, if, if you gave me the option of playing the $4 20 max or, uh, putting, you know, 40 entries into the $2 150 max on DraftKings, I would choose a $4 20 max one because I can enter the max number of entries and two that contest has, you know, more effective entrance. Uh, it only takes about like 30 to 35 players, 150 maxing to fill up the $2. So that contest can end up being pretty sharp, even though it's underneath the $3 threshold. So I think that, you know, playing the $4 20 max makes more sense in that scenario, even though, you know, the price pool is high enough for some of the sharks to be in it. Uh, we just think that it's probably like a better contest overall. So, but, but that being said, right. So, so that's like kind of on like the contest selection side, but then, you know, on the theory side. So I think it's totally okay to play a contest where you do not enter the most entries possible. Which, which I'm, I'm trying not to contradict myself, so I'm, I'm trying to be very clear. If, if you have two contests and you're trying to choose which one to play, I would choose the one that you can max out. But if you have already played all other contests and you have a little bit of bankroll left, you know, for your nightly allocation, I think it's totally okay at that point to enter a contest and not enter the max number of entries. And the reason that is true is because it theoretically, whatever, every entry after your first entry should be, should have a smaller number of, should have smaller EV. So like what you're, what, what you want to do, right. Is you want to enter the lineup that has the most EV first, your highest EV lineup, that should go into your contest first if you're doing a 20 max. And then your second lineup should be your second highest EV lineup. And then your third lineup is your third highest EV lineup, right? That is what you want. So technically, 
every lineup after your first is lower EV. So so by by not maxing it out, you're not really losing anything from an EV standpoint. So don't don't think that it is negative EV to not max out a contest. It is it the, the EV of your other lineups, it is not affecting those. So there, there's nothing wrong with not maxing a contest, but if you have two contests to choose from and you can max one or not max the other, choose the one you can max. So I know that is like a could be a, a little bit of a hard concept to understand. So if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to clarify about that. But I do want to be clear, you know, with that point, it is okay not to max a contest. You 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 are not negative EV because you are not maxing. So gonna end there and and leave that one alone. All right, but but good question, and and that is a good thing to talk about. All right, uh, got a question here from JN Zook. This is our last question in the Discord, and then gonna hop over to the YouTube chat. See like three or four questions here in the YouTube chat. So if anybody has any questions, now is a great time to get them in. All right, JN Zook said, how often on average is it expected to have a losing night, break even, and a winning night? I know there's no exact number, but if I haven't broke even or turned a profit in a week, should I be worried? Or is that a normal cycle? Where are uh, the pro exclusive videos located? And what other perks come with pro? Want to make sure I'm taking advantage of every tool available. Okay, Jay and Zuck, really good questions here. So I'm going to start off with the pro with the pro stuff. Uh, you should have access to the pro channel. I see your name is in purple here. Purple indicates that you're on the pro plan in the Discord. So underneath the pro channel, there is a pro videos channel. That is where we post all of the pro exclusive uh, videos. So you can find that there. Just uh, let me know if you're having any trouble finding it and I can help you out. But secondly, I want to point you to two places here. So so first, I'm going to answer, answer your question. It is totally normal to have a losing week. And we did research in our contest selection uh, framework, creating the DFS profit plan, where Eric, our, our data scientist, he did a lot of uh, back testing. And what Eric concluded was that a, a player who is a long-term winning player with a long-term positive expected ROI will on average only have six to eight winning days in a calendar month. And that is if you are playing like every single day. So if you're playing 30 to 31 days um, in a calendar month for, for, you know, let's say NBA, you're playing every NBA slate every single day. I don't remember if it was six or if it was eight, but it was one of those two numbers. So a, a person, longtime winner will have about six to eight winning days a month. This is, you know, going back to the beginning of the show. This is why, building high upside lineups is so important because you're only going to have so many opportunities to have a positive day that like when you win, you want to have these exponential outcomes. You want to win the contest. You want to get in the, in the top five, the top three, where, where those payouts start to multiply and, and you're going to need victories like that to pay off all of the losing days and then make a profit on top of that. So that is like what you are really searching for. So I'm, I'm going to direct you to the YouTube channel here. Uh, there's a, one other really good video 
on the channel where uh, Jordan did a demo about uh, variants. So I believe it's like, what does variants look like? I, I would I would recommend anybody who, uh, you know, is is interested or or finds this fascinating. Watch this video from Jordan here. It is what does variants after 100 slates look like for a winning player? It, he does like a demo where he uh, assumes a player is is really good, you know, uh, positive, uh, long-term expected ROI, uh, supposed to be like twice as good as, as the average player. And he shows you that like even a player that is theoretically that good can go on downswings and, and lose for a season, you know, which is, which is weeks, which is months and, and have a losing time period. So check out this video here from Jordan. I think that's a great video. And then the other one is go over to playlists and go to uh, behind the Sims and just hit view full playlist. And I believe it's in the contest selection here. So I don't, I don't remember exactly what one it is. I would just start at the beginning, you know, maybe uh, behind the Sims episode one or, or two or three. I know it wasn't toward the end. So check out this series, you know, if you have some time, watch this content. It was really good and very informational. And Eric kind of goes into more depth, breaking down his findings in these videos. So I would recommend starting uh, with the Jordan video, getting into some of this behind the Sims contest selection series and going from there. But but totally normal. Uh, that is just one of the things that comes with DFS. All right. Hopping over to the YouTube chat. Franklin said, what's up, Andrew? I just upgraded to the pro plan. Let's get to the money. Hey, congrats, Franklin. Uh, take advantage of the pro exclusive content like we're talking about. You know, a lot of really good stuff from, from Matt, from Jordan. I've done some videos. Max has done some videos. Like, get in there, you know, uh, get into the channels, experiment with, with different things, see what people are talking about, and, and, and don't be afraid to get in there and ask some questions. Uh, Franklin said, on small slates, is it better to use the Sabre score or percentiles? So personally, I like to use Sabre score, especially on small slates like this. You know, as the slate size shrinks, um, you're going to have to get different from the field, in, field in, in different ways, right? So like on like a big, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 game slate, there are going to be, you know, millions of lineups that you can create. A lot of positive EV lineups. As the slate shrinks, right? There's gonna be less and less of these positive EV lineups, right? And and there's still plenty, but but there is ultimately less, right? So I think that by using a percentile, you're mostly just trying to optimize for upside. But as but as these slates shrink, you know, you need to start finding every way possible to get different from the field and get an advantage. And I think that's where lineup construction becomes very very important. So using Sabre score to grade for correlation, grade for ownership fade is a bonus that I think uh, Sabre score makes much more sense for on the short slates. So on, 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 you know, four five, I mean, you know, two, three, four, five game slates. I really do like Sabre score. I like the aspect of, of including correlation and ownership fade in my lineup grading process to help me get different. Uh, because, you know, owner, ownership is good. Projections are good for NBA. Uh, it's going to be harder on these short slates. So we need every edge we can get. Uh, Jay Zook said, Jay and Zook said, thank you. Very helpful information. Happy to help, man. And that is what I am here for. All right. 
HC said, hi, Andrew, do you see what lineups changed after you late swap? Used to say changed before. Thanks. Uh, so let's go back to yesterday. I do not believe it shows what the lineup used to be. However, it does show how many have changed uh, versus not changed. So I'm, I'm going to see if I have an entries file for any day this week. So you need an entries file to, to do this. So I'm just going to, I think there was like one day I did this. Okay, perfect here. So this is a good one. So if I go, uh, let's say I want to unlock these games and like do a test late swap here. So I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to late swap. And then I'm just going to, uh, I don't want to do all these contests. So I'm just going to late swap like these um, 20 lineups right here, just to make this a little easier. So I unlock some, I'm like doing a uh, late swap kind of like demo here about how to go back in late swap. I'd be very, very careful with using those lock icons uh, on, on a slate. It could, it could be a little detrimental, but I'm going to just do this for the sake of the example here. So boom, we're late swapping. Uh, what you can do is you can hover over this lineups here and it should normally tell you, oh, it does do that. Okay, here it is. So, so it'll tell you how many have changed and how many have not changed uh, for, you know, your total number of lineups here. So I think you just hover like right over the number and it'll pop up. And then if you hover over the lineup, it will also tell you what the original lineup was. I actually didn't know that it did that. So that is really cool. So you can hover over any lineup and then see what the original was. And then you can do like a summary and hover over uh, the number of lineups next to pool. And it'll tell you how many have changed and not changed. But good thing to know, AC. Thanks for bringing that up. Actually, something I just learned uh, myself right here. I thought we only had this summary up at the top, but now you can see what the lineup used to be. All right. Ryan Nelson said, had a good night. Just playing the top 20 lineups in the showdown two gamers instead of playing unique lineups into every entry. Do you think playing 20 best lineups and maximizing ROI is best for smaller slates? Uh, so I think this probably goes back to like, you know, there are probably only, uh, there are only like so many good lineups as the slates get smaller, I do think there's more than 20, you know, there are plenty of 150 max contests out there. So I, I, I would imagine, you know, there, there are plenty of, of good lineups that you can build. What, what you're kind of describing really is like a, um, it, you know, let me step back. I think it really comes down to, you know, how much bankroll you're playing, what your risk tolerance is, and just kind of like the, the type of player you are, right? So like, for instance, some people come on the show and they're like, hey, you know, how do I make my lineups diverse as possible? I want to smooth out my variance as much as I can. And then other people come on the show and they're like, hey, you know, how do I maximize for upside? I do not care about losing. I just want to maximize for highest returns at all costs, right? That's kind of the side you're coming from. Uh, you, you know, you're saying like, hey, I just want to play the best 20 lineups as many times as I can to try and have a really huge return. Right. And like, I think that's okay. I think that's totally fine. And if that's the approach you want to take, like I have nothing against that. Just know that that is a riskier approach and that, you know, you should probably balance that out by not investing so much of your bankroll. Like, you know, we talk about the DFS profit plan, 
We talk about playing 2.5 to 5% of your bankroll. Like I would be on the low end there, you know, just because I'm not entering a unique lineup into every entry. I'm probably duplicating lineups in contests. Uh, so, so if, if one lineup does bad, it's going to affect multiple contests and now I'm probably going to have a worse night. So the way to balance that is to play a little less of your bankroll, be a little more careful, um, on the amount of money that, uh, on the, like the amount of bankroll allocation that you're wagering on a night to night basis. But I think the approach is totally fine and I don't see anything wrong with it. And if it's working for you, more power to you, Ryan. All right. HC said, thanks. Happy as always. Uh, let's see here. Okay. This is our last question. As of now, if anybody has any more questions, great time to get them in. looks like we have one from Mr. Martin here in the discord. Hopping back to discord. Says, it seems like no matter what I do, I can't seem to get consistent with my NBA FanDuel lines. I tried to use all your advice. Never seems to work out. So Mr. Martin, I, I apologize that you are uh, having a rough go at it. You know, DFS is like a, a highly variant game. You know, I, I would recommend, you know, for you as well, for, for everybody really, go and watch that variance video from Jordan. Like that is taking like a really, really good like top player and showing you that even a, a player such as that can can lose over weeks, months, seasons. So, you know, it, it sounds like you've watched a lot of our content. I would encourage you. It looks like you're on the pro plan as well. So, you know, take advantage of the pro exclusive videos, post questions in the pro channel, uh, you know, come over to our YouTube channel and, and watch, you know, our how to how to win in NBA DFS in 2022 or how to beat NBA DFS in 2022. Uh, you know, if you're looking for ways to do different things with your process, watch this, watch, watch this video here about upgrading your NBA DFS process with this NBA research strategy video that Jordan and I released about a month ago. Uh, you know, go back and watch older content. You know, if you, if you were around when we had Max Steinberg on at the beginning of the season to talk NBA DFS, like go watch it again. I, I, I've been doing some stuff like in my personal time. Uh, and it's something that somebody said that, that kind of caught my eye. It's like, you know, if, if you have a book, like we'll just take a book for example, and you read it once, you know, you should read it again. And then you should take something different away the second time because now you're a new person, right? And then you read the book a third time and then you take something different away that time because you're constantly growing, you're constantly evolving. So like, you know, don't, don't say like, oh, you know, I watched this video once and, you know, I, I got everything out of it. Like, you know, continue to grow, come back to these things over time, right? Uh, you know, come back like once a month and, and kind of look at some of this content and, and, you know, we're trying to get better at NBA DFS, right? Is NBA season. Like you just need to like kind of keep like, like, how do I say this? Like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you guys a story before I worked here before, before I used to run this show, like I was around in the community when Jordan began this show. Like I remember uh, the very first time we, there was an office hours show and I watched every single office hours. I, I never missed one. And if I missed one, I, I would make sure to go back and watch it. And, you know, a lot of the times people come and go, you know, users come and go, uh, people have the same questions. Right. And I wasn't a type of person who would like jump around on hyperlinks and, and try and, you know, only watch certain segments. Like I would watch every office hours 
And I, I just, you know, as many times as Jordan repeated the, the same answer or answered the same question, uh, you know, cause, cause I mean, every time somebody asks a question, somebody's asking it for the first time, somebody's hearing the answer for the first time. Right. But as, as a viewer, you know, I, I heard it like a million times as many times as he would answer it. But, but regardless, I sat there and I listened to it because I just wanted to like pound those strategies home and, and just. I think a lot of times, you know, it's really hard to grasp a concept. The first time you hear it, the second time you hear it, like you have to hear it so many times and then it'll finally start to make sense. And then, and then it'll make more sense. And then, and then you'll kind of finally get it right. So like I would sit and listen to every office hours and listen to the same question be answered over and over, but I would, but I would do it because I know I needed to do that. Uh, so kind of went on tangent there, but, but you know, don't, I guess long story short, don't be afraid to go back to old content and listen to it again you know just because you heard it once you might find something new in it so i would i would encourage you to continue to do that uh you know i i hope you're following the dfs profit plan i i i think it is a great contest selection framework but mr martin you know at the end of the day you're here in the office hours channel watching the show trying to get better trying to learn uh i'm, I'm happy to help as much as i can this is the best way i know how to help is is to you know encourage you to 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 keep exercising bankroll management, use good contest selection, consume content, learn, ask questions in, in the discord community. Like, I think that really does go a long way. So continue to ask good questions. You know, I, I I'm sure you're moving down the right track and just experiencing some bad variants, but it is okay. Check out that video by Jordan as well. The sim variants, the variants after 100 slates. All right, everybody. Uh, that is our last question. I think that is a good one to end on today. Uh, just a reminder, tomorrow during office hours time slot, we are doing a special NFL showdown slash Super Bowl focused stream talking about uh, showdown strategy for FanDuel, for DraftKings, you know, talking about different ways to approach the slate and hopefully to have a positive winning Sunday. So I will be on Jordan will be on. Matt will be on. It should be a great show. I'm really looking forward to it. If you guys have any questions about NFL Showdown, throw them in the Office Hours channel prior to tomorrow's stream. Any other questions, you know, uh, closer to like our regular Office Hours, we're, I'm going to hold off on those until Monday, and then we will get back to our regularly scheduled Office Hours next week. But thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you guys had a good one. Take care and good luck in your contest. See you tomorrow.